we have an important conversation to have as a church today. I know we're in mixed company. We got some people that are a part of our church. We got partners of our church, people that kind of watch from afar and support. And we also got people that maybe you literally just clicked on the category wondering what this is. And we want to have a healthy conversation that we have been praying about for months and we're excited to finally bring it to our church. Partners have already been made aware of it. We've had our private meetings with them as we normally do when we have announcements like this. But today we wanted to update you and talk about something we believe God is gonna do to impact and change the structure of our church moving forward. But before we dive in, I wanna go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you love this church more than any of us ever could. Thank you, God, that you sent your son Jesus to lay down his life because he loved the church. And I just pray today, God, as we gather to have conversation, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would unify us. I pray that, God, you would help me as I speak to articulate clearly. And I pray that, God, you'd give all of us passion and anticipation and excitement as we move forward into building the kingdom of God, structuring our church in a way that will not only impact more people, but will help us to love and feed the people you've already blessed us with even better. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start off by talking a little bit about foundations. Foundations of anything are incredibly important. I'm assuming everyone is well aware that if you build a house on a bad foundation, your house will not stand. The Bible talks openly and clearly that a foundation is absolutely imperative. You cannot move forward, you cannot grow to your potential without proper foundation and structure. And when it comes to church, when it comes to organizations, when it comes to businesses, really anything in life, even as individuals, oftentimes people think that they'll rise to the level of their goals, but in reality, actually they'll fall to the level of their systems. For example, if you have a goal to lose 50 pounds, but you don't plan on changing your systems as a foundation to get you there, you ain't ever going to lose 50 pounds. Systems will prevent you from achieving your goals. Foundation and structure will keep you from achieving your goals. And here at God Squad Church, for the past several months, we've been taking a look at our foundation. We've been taking a look specifically at our structure of leadership and asking ourselves, God, how can we be more healthy? How can we love our people better? How can we remove any lid or ceiling that is preventing us from hitting those goals and going back to the drawing table and asking God, what is next for our church? And so we want to have an important conversation about leadership structure today. And I want to introduce some words to you that maybe you've never heard, church governance and polity. I promise this is not a politics conversation, but church polity and governance. Now, I know the words not, might, might not sound very exciting, but they're very important. Get it out of your system. Spam the resident sleepers in the chat. I know you're already thinking it. Stick around. We're going to make this clear and as engaging as we can. But church polity and governance really, really talk about the leadership structure of the church, how it works in terms of its power, its authority, and its accountability. And I want to give a little bit of context to really what church governance and polity can be like. So I want to introduce to you three different models that I believe are biblically accurate that we see throughout the Bible of how churches are led, how they're structured, and what their foundation is like. And first, throughout Scripture, you might see an example of what's known as congregational leadership, okay? Congregational leadership is really, you see the, the graphs on the side, where really the congregation is the one that really has the final say on everything the church does, and you see the star at the bottom that represents who might be the lead pastor, and that really the lead pastor is gaining approval, and oftentimes even gaining vision from the church, 
And it's not necessarily the church following the vision of the pastor, but oftentimes it can be the pastor fulfilling the vision of the people. That's one model that we do not practice here at God Squad Church, but we do believe that it is biblical. Other churches practice it. We think they're valid. We think they're great. Just not what we do here at God Squad Church. Second, you will see the Episcopal model, which you will read right off the bat, is very similar to what we do do here at God Squad Church. This might be known as a pastor-led church. Let me know. Put a five in chat if you're familiar or if you've ever been a part of a church with this kind of model where it's very, very clear. You can see the picture. There's that purple star at the top of the pyramid. There is a pastor who is casting vision, who ultimately has the authority. Now, most churches, even here at God Squad Church, we have a board who is also above me because I would represent that purple star. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the king of the church. But God has entrusted me with the leadership of this church. And over me, I have a board that keeps me accountable so I don't make irresponsible decisions. They oversee the finances so I don't do anything, obviously, that would be harmful to the church. Things like that. But ultimately, on the day-to-day operations of the church, an Episcopal model, or some I call a CEO model, very similar to what you might see a business looking like, there's obviously one person at the top, and there's very, very clear expectations of who that is. And it's very, very clear to everyone watching or apart that there is one man at the very top of power and authority. But then you see a third model, a Presbyterian model, some might call it an elder-led church. And it's very, very similar to the pastor-led church, except for the fact that instead of being led by one pastor, it is being led by several pastors. There's still a board about above them that is keeping them accountable, but instead of having one man who has all the authority, who has all the power, and a lot of times most of their responsibility, there is a team of people entrusted with the leadership oversight of the church. This would be what's known as an elder-led church. If you're not familiar with the word elder, the word elder represents the word overseer. It's in the New Testament of the Bible, interchangeable with the word pastor. You see the two words being used back and forth, people that oversee and are ultimately in charge and responsible, which is a high calling, for the direction and care of God's people and God's church. And since the beginning of our church, ultimately this has been me with model number two. And we want to have a conversation today and be open and clear, setting expectations. And then next week, we're actually going to do a Q&A where we're going to let you guys send in your questions. So if you already have questions, you're already confused, connect at God Squad Church is where you want to send your questions. And we're going to be answering many of these next week. But ultimately, the change that we are making is going from the model that you see, number two, to the elder-led church model where we will no longer have one lead pastor, but we will actually have a team of four individuals, myself, Pastor Boz, Pastor Tammy, and Pastor Amanda, who will carry equal authority in the church and in the decisions of the church, the direction of the church, the vision of the church, rather than one person who up until now has been myself. Now, I know that you have a lot of questions already. This might be a little bit confusing, and what I want to do for the rest of our time together is explain why we've done this, what it means, and what it looks like, and the next week we're going to get really, really down to the nitty-gritty and really answering your specific questions. 
And first, I want to help us understand why are we doing this? Why in the world do we do this? If, if something ain't broke, why are we trying to fix it? And it also might seem odd that a man who used to have all the authority would diminish his own authority to change the model. And I want to go through the rest of our time together and explain why would we do this? Why move to a plurality of leadership? One, because we believe it's a biblical model. But I want to be clear, it's not the only biblical model. This is not me coming out and saying, hey, we've been doing it wrong all along, and every church that does it the way we used to do it is also wrong. No, I believe if you look through Scripture, you will see evidence of all three of those models. But in my study and my research, I do believe that what we're talking about today is actually the most commonly used model in the New Testament. I want to show you a few verses, starting with Acts 14, 23. It says, when they had appointed elders for them in every church. You see, there's a plurality there. Plural, not when they had appointed an elder. Remember the word elder means overseer or pastor. They appointed elders. By the way, in the book of Acts was the first, chap- first book of the Bible where the early church was first started. Church didn't really exist before the book of Acts. Acts 5, uh, 15, 4. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders. There again, it is plural. Acts 20, 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and summoned the, again, elders of the church. And you see many examples on the screen, and every single one of them have one thing in common. There is multiple elders. Now, I know that you maybe have been familiar with other churches where they do have elders, There's other people that are offering insight. They're offering oversight over certain ministries. They're offering wisdom. So why can't we just kind of do that and still have the same model that we've ever had? Because, yeah, there are some churches that do that, and I think it's completely fine. But there are some very specific reasons why we don't just want to have elders and other pastors who are giving wisdom and insight, because we actually already do have that. But why go as far to the extreme of changing the entire model because this change really will affect our church for the rest of his existence. Well, they will no longer simply just be one lead pastor, but instead there will be four what we are calling the lead team. Four people, as I mentioned, myself, Pastor Boz, Pastor Amanda, Pastor Tammy, who will equal, equally have authority and will equally divvy up the responsibilities of that lead pastor. And I want to talk about why specifically some of the pros and cons of why we're choosing to do this. One, it minimizes the weight of ministry for each of us and will help prevent burnout or family trouble. I've been a lead pastor for the past five years, and I know a lot of lead pastors, and the biggest thing that they all struggle with is time. All of them. I've never met a lead pastor who wasn't busy all the time. Never once in my life have I met a lead pastor who didn't have a million meetings, who didn't have a million people who always wanted his attention, who didn't get phone calls at 3 o'clock in the morning all the time. I've never met one. I've never met a single person. As you can imagine, one of the most important parts about being a pastor is first being a good husband, first being a good father. And sometimes what lead pastors can do is they give so much attention to the church family that they don't have enough time left to give to their own family. And by giving up the responsibilities of lead pastor, We can protect our pastors. We can protect our pastors from being burnt out, from neglecting their families. Another reason, it would prevent me or any lead pastor from doing something irrational. I want you to know that as a leader, I lead this church with humility. 
I do not go to our staff and say, this is what we're doing, I don't care if you like it or not, this is the direction, God has spoken, who are you to question God? I don't lead that way. I go to our teams and I say, hey guys, this is what I'm really feeling. I've been praying, this is what I think God is speaking to me. What's your advice, what's your wisdom, what do you guys think, should we do it or should we not do it? But the reality is, if I did want to come to our staff and say, this is what we're doing, like it or not, they would have to follow that authority because that is the authority that I once had. This is not only healthy for any human being, it's not only healthy for me, but it is healthy for whoever will take my place when I retire at 65, 70 years old, when the internet kicks me out, whatever it might be. There is too much power that one person can have. And in order to protect the longevity of the church, who is to say that whoever comes in next, because this happens often in churches, Maybe you've been a part of it, that when they hire a new lead pastor, you think this is crazy, it happens all the time. First thing he does is it fires all the staff and brings in all of his own people. You think I'm kidding, it is real. He's like, well I don't know these people, I'm bringing my own people that I know, I'm bringing my own team. And all of a sudden all the pastors are gone, the whole church has changed. He has the authority, I have that authority. Well I did, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy for one man to be able to just make all that change because he has all that power. If we were to get rid of Pastor Amanda, Unworthy Seraph, Elizabeth Higgins, Pastor Boz, the whole church would change. The whole, this, it wouldn't be God's Squad church, but I could if I wanted. They could say no to me about one idea I had and I'd be like, oh, you don't like my idea? You could find a new place of employment. I don't think it's healthy for one man to carry too much authority. And as some of you know, not only am I a pastor of this church, but I'm also actually the first pastor in the world to have ever been partnered on Twitch. And it's a huge honor. And it's a huge privilege. And I'd be lying to you if I said, I don't pray all the time that God will bring millions of people through the virtual doors of my stream so I can tell them all about Jesus. I think it'd be crazy for us to not want thousands and thousands and thousands of people to be saved. If my stream were Tim the Tapman or Ninja size, how many people we could reach? And I'll be honest, I used to hate the word famous. I used to hate it. I used to think it was unbiblical. I used to think, oh, no Christian should ever want to be famous. No Christian should ever want to be at that level until after I was written about in the Washington Post, I was invited to speak at a church, and a woman, an elderly woman, came up to me and said something that revolutionized my life. She came up to me and said, oh my goodness, I just read about you in the paper. You're famous. And I was like, first of all, really, I'm not actually famous. I don't even think like Tim the Tapman is considered famous. You go around the world, no one knows who that is. Like the, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is famous, okay? Like everywhere you go, everyone knows who that is. But I was like, no, no, I'm not famous. And, and I said to her, and I never want to be famous because I want to be humble and I want to put God first. And she had such a good godly, motherly moment where she put her arm on my shoulder and she said, it's okay to be a star as long as you shine for Jesus. Use your platform to bring millions of people to Christ. And after that day, I never looked at being famous the same ever again. But if I ever do reach that level, and to be honest, I pray that, why would I not want to reach millions of people? I do pray that one day I'll get there. But I also acknowledge that if I do, I will have a lot of power and a lot of influence and it would be very difficult for people to not have a skewed view of me because of the position that I hold. 
And if I can still do whatever I want with that much power and that much authority, I am not immune to the corruption of this world. I am not immune to sinful nature. I am not immune to ever making wrong decisions. I am not immune, and without having a team around me of people that carry equal authority, that when they say no to me, I have to deal with it, the potential for harm for the church is very high. And so in order to keep these things safe, in order to prevent it from ever happening to me, in order to prevent it from ever happening to whoever the next person would be, we're changing the model. Number number three, it, keeps, it protects me from accumulating too much power, like I mentioned. A group of godly pastors appropriately dilutes the authority of one individual. It is very, very common in churches all the time where, of course, everyone wants to talk to the lead pastor. Why? Because he has the authority. When there, especially when there is an issue People want to talk to the man in charge. No one goes to the cashier and says, hey, I've got a real serious issue. Can I talk to a cashier? What's the phrase? Put it in the chat. Can I talk to the manager? Can I talk to the owner? I want to talk to someone with authority. And when one person has all that authority, it's too much. But having multiple lead team pastors dilutes that authority amongst multiple people. And then when other pastors are fulfilling duties, they're not just doing it because the lead pastor didn't have time, they're doing it because they have the authority to get it done. It's a healthier model. Four, it offsets my weaknesses and deficiencies. No pastor is equipped or gifted to do everything well. I know sometimes pastors are expected to do and know how to do everything, but no human being is gifted to do everything well. A group of pastors helps offset the individual pastor's weaknesses. Let me tell you, Pastor Tammy, Pastor Boz, and Pastor Amanda don't just do their job because I don't have time to do it. They do it because they're better at me. They're better at it than I am. Pastor Boz is more compassionate than I am. I'm pretty nice, but he has more patience than I do. He's more compassionate. Mama Higgs is on another level, okay? You do not want me running anything organization of this church like Amanda does. Otherwise, I would have broke the system a long time ago. They don't just do it because I don't have time for it. They do it because they're better at it than I am. And carrying that authority helps run the system so that we can actually achieve our goals and not fall to the, the level of our systems. Also, not only can they turn down ideas that maybe I had that maybe aren't great, I'm not always right. Put a five in the chat if you're always right. If I see one five. <laughs> Nobody is always right. And can I tell you that as a human and as a pastor, you can go to prayer and think you heard from God and be wrong. You can do it. I can do it. And not only does it help the pastor from being wrong, but it also helps an idea be given from another person of authority that I might have never thought of. They might see the church from a different perspective because they, they sit in a different seat than I do, and they might say, hey, you know what? We really need to do this because the church has this need. Number five, it gives clearer expectation to the church of who does what and who doesn't do what. Everyone has the expectation that the lead pastor has the authority and should be able to do everything. And when, especially when it comes to pastoral care, 
people oftentimes just navigate through the person who's on the stage. It, it's natural. Every human being wants to attach themselves to someone else, and it's, it's only natural to attach yourself to the person you see all the time. But the reality is, one man can't meet with everybody. But here's also the bummer, is, oh, well, I guess I'll meet with another pastor because the lead pastor doesn't have time for me. How is that encouraging to anybody? How, how is that encouraging that because my schedule's full, you had to meet with somebody else? You wanted me, but you ended up getting someone else. How is that encouraging to anybody? How is that at all a compliment to any of our pastors on staff? It's not. It is not. And I've hated it. I don't hate that you want to meet with me. I hate that I've had to give you something that you didn't ask for. You wanted to meet with me because you watched my stream. And you love me. And I'm grateful. I love you too. And you know what I hate? Saying, well, I'm too busy. But if you'd like, someone with less authority than I am would love to talk with you. I hate it. I've hated it for years because you don't know that our other pastors at times are more qualified to talk with you than I am. They might be more compassionate than I am. They might be so incredible in a one-on-one -on -one setting better than I am. You know who can give better parenting advice than I can? Pastor Tammy. You don't want to talk to me about your kids. I don't have any. You know who's really, really good at giving marriage advice? Pastor Boz. He's been married longer than I have, and he has been through some things you probably will never experience. I don't like the fact that people, they want to just be able to talk to their pastor, and they should. So what if we had multiple? What if we had four people that were covering several different responsibilities of the church so that all the needs of the church were being met with excellence rather than one man trying to do all the expectations that everyone has for him. It gives clear expectations to what each lead pastor does and what each doesn't do. Number six, it provides the church with leadership in case of my absence. If something were to happen to me, having a group of pastors already established and recognized by the church will ensure that ministry, the ministry and the mission of the church will continue. If you've been around church a long time, you know that when the lead pastor leaves, it is a ginormous deal. Most people leave. People are like, oh, well, I really loved his vision. Well, he's gone, so I'm going to go find somewhere else. And there's an issue with that with a lot of people having a consumeristic mindset in church, which is a whole different conversation. But my next point is that it protects the church from becoming personality-driven. Especially with me as a live streamer on Twitch, who where part of my job is to be a pastor, who I don't have fans, I'm building followers of Jesus, but I'm also an internet live streaming entertainer where there are very much fans in that area of life. And those two lines get really muddy. They get really gray. Of our people watching God Squad Church and now they're attending because they think Pastor Susie is funny or because they want to engage in deep intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because they're not the same. They're not the same thing. Are they listening to our messages because they also think it's great that that same guy dances in a penguin suit? Or are they listening because they're genuinely hungry for the word of God? They're not the same. A lot of churches, when there's only one person at the top, can become personality driven. And then when that guy is gone, it changes everything. 
oftentimes when the lead pastor of the church changes, the vision of the church changes. The whole mission changes. Everything we do changes. Because that man comes in and says, hey, I know that you guys were doing that before, but I want to do this. This is my vision. This is my passion. This is my mission. So let's all get on board with what I want to do. The whole church changes. And in my belief and in my prayer and in our conversations with both our board and our other pastors, we just believe that it's healthier. That's why I believe the most common model in the New Testament is elders, plural. Multiple people with equal oversight, equal authority, who can lead the church with excellence. I believe that a plurality of leadership is, in my opinion, in all my years of being in church, in all my years of ministry, the healthiest form of doing church. I don't believe it's the only one. I believe there are different needs for different scenarios. For example, for the past five years, I don't think we could have actually done this. One, because we didn't actually have full-time pastors. Two, because I was still building the whole thing, creating the vision, setting it on a place. I don't think it would have worked four years ago. But things have changed. We're further along for different environments, for different churches, for different cities. This might not work, but especially in an online church reaching gamers, having multiple pastors with authority, I believe is the healthiest model. I believe and I, I pray for the glory of God. I mean, you've seen it. We're on the internet where you can have hundreds of thousands of viewers. I mean, literally, Dr. Lupo raises like $2 million a year for charity. We're talking one church. Our church is going to have big influence, big impact, but also big numbers and big dollar signs. And having lots of people overseeing that rather than one person, I just believe it's a healthier model for what we do. You might go to a local church and it might not be what's best for you, and that's totally fine. We're talking about the context of our church. Some of the reasons as to why we've done this, and this is just some of a few, but there are also some cons to doing this. And I want to read that to you. That decisions will take longer to make because I can't, someone just can't come to me like, hey, Pastor Susie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, let's do this. Now I got to go, oh, well, I'll talk with the lead team, let you know what we decide. And then we might have to take an extra week and be like, you know what, we're not really to make a ready decision now. Let's go back and pray for it, pray about it, and we will decide later. It will take two-thirds vote to pass anything that we want to do in the church within our lead pastors. If we don't make that decision amongst the three of us, if there's not three out of four people or five out of seven when we have more lead team pastors in the future, the decision doesn't happen. It doesn't matter if I want to do it. If the rest of the team says no, we don't do it. If I have a bad idea, it doesn't happen. If I'm wrong, it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter how bad I want it. It doesn't matter how much I feel like I've heard from God. It doesn't happen. There's accountability. There's structure to keep the church healthy. Decisions might take a little bit longer, but how many of y'all know that can also be a good thing? It means we really took the time to think it through, talk it through, get multiple perspectives, and make sure we heard from God. We might have to do a 21-day fast to pray on some things. That's better than making a decision on the whim that ends up being wrong. It might be a con, but it can also be a pro. Another con is that it requires significantly more communication. It requires more communication amongst our lead team. It requires us being open and honest and having feedback conversations with our partners. And these things, again, can make things a little bit longer, but it can also be a good thing. Sometimes, yes, you can over-communicate. Sometimes, like, you know, we just got to make a decision, yes or no. But more communication is normally better than no communication. Time to think is normally better than no time to think. 
And in all of our prayer, for me, I've been on this journey for almost six months now, having the conversation with our pastors for the last few months now, and we really believe this is what's healthiest for our church. For the long-term journey of our church, I would be the most selfish pastor in the world if all I wanted was for things to be easy for me while I'm here. I want to think 100 years from now. I want to think about what happens when I'm gone when I retire. I want to think about what happens to the future. we got 2.2 billion gamers to reach, and that's just the number we have right now. I think in five years, someone's going to be up to 3 billion. The reality is, as much as God can do so many miracles, we are not going to reach 2.2 billion people in my lifetime. Maybe God will prove me wrong. Hopefully he does. But we will probably not reach 2.2 billion people in my lifetime. Therefore, we need to be future forward thinking. What's God Squad Church going to be like when I'm gone? Which is going to take a long time. Y'all can't get rid of me unless the lead team votes me out, right? <laughs> I love the church. I'm not going anywhere. But I want to do what's best for the church. And like I mentioned, I know you might have lots of questions. Maybe you're just joining us right now. I want to encourage you, any questions you have, you can send to us at connect at godsquadchurch.com. We're going to have a conversation next week answering those questions for you, so be sure to send some of those in. What I want to do right now is I want to, I want to line up and really write out for you what will this lead team structure look like? Because we've seen it, like we showed in the graph earlier, that purple star at the top, leading the organization, but now there will be four people with individual and equal authority, and we're open to having more in the future if God leads us that way. But first, you'll see Pastor Boss, who's our community care pastor. Currently, he also oversees our Midlothian campus, but he oversees all things pastoral care. 95% of Pastor Boss's time is spent meeting with people and leading his team who helps meet with other people, because no matter how you wrap it, one person still can't meet with everybody. So one person needs to make sure that the entire church, the Bible would call them the flock, the sheep of God's church are being tended to. They're being prayed for. They're being met with. They're being, their needs are being met by the pastors. And Pastor Bob's responsibility is to oversee the pastoral care. We call it community care here at God's Squad Church because we believe you don't have to be a pastor to love and serve people. There are so many people with insane amounts of spiritual wisdom, compassion, and love. They just don't happen to be a pastor. But my goodness, you'd benefit from talking to them. And he oversees our community care team, and he'll continue to do that. That will be his area of contribution to the lead team, not only fulfilling pastoral care, but overseeing all pastoral care in the church. Then we have Pastor Amanda, who is still and will continue to be our executive pastor. She oversees, as of now, our music of worship, and she manages our staff and oversees all organizational aspects of the entire church. Everything. Our teams, managing our staff, overseeing our finances, reporting those to the board, communicating with our lawyer when those things are necessary. Everything organizational that the church needs to do, Amanda oversees, and she's done it with excellence. When I used to do that, it was bad, okay? I'm not an organizational guy. I'm not administrative. I am not good. And she brings expertise in that area. She'll also, of course, be doing things like pastoral care because pastors love and talk with people. Then we have Pastor Tammy, whose title will be undergoing a change, who will no longer simply be just our children's pastor, but she'll now be known as our family pastor. And her contribution to the church will be overseeing all family ministries, not only involving children's ministry, but involving what we've been having conversations about. How can we do youth ministry better? 
How can we have ministry towards teenagers? And it doesn't even necessarily mean that Pastor Tammy will be the youth pastor, but it means that she'll be overseeing whoever that youth pastor will be. She'll be overseeing the area of ministry for both our children and our youth. And of course, as she does, she will also be doing pastoral care. And lastly, another change that we're undergoing is myself, who I will no longer go by the title of lead pastor, because now we don't have one lead pastor. We have a lead team made up of four people, again, that carry equal authority. So I'll be honest, it's, I'm going to have to undo my brain for five years where I stepped on stage, hey, my name is Pastor Susie, and I have the honor and privilege of being the lead pastor here at Gospel Church. <laughs> you could probably write it down, you probably memorize it by now too, and I'm going to have to change my language because I will now go by the title of preaching pastor. And my contribution to the church will be, as our team has decided again, I literally could not tell the team, hey, this is what I'm doing. We had to get together and be like, hey guys, what would you like my contribution to be? And we've decided that I would oversee the preaching of God's words to our church. That means still, for the majority of time, you will see me doing the majority of the preaching. But I also oversee our preaching calendar, right? I'm overseeing the vision of what I feel like our church needs to be talking about. But they're also giving input and like, hey, I've been talking to a lot of people. And it looks like some people are going through this. We should really probably do a sermon series on it. And really what I'll also be doing now is I'll be coaching all of our communicators. I'm very honored and blessed that God has gifted me in the area of communication. And I want to help all of our communicators be able to speak clearly with excellence as they're preaching God's word. And really my main contribution to the church will be overseeing the teaching, the doctrine, and the preaching of God's word. But another big change that I'll be undergoing is that I will no longer be working full-time 40 hours a week for the church. And I'll be really bringing my hours down to about 16 hours a week, where six of those are really happening on a Saturday at our services, our pre-service prayers, our Discord time after, and really be doing about 10 hours a week where I can simply just focus on my preaching, my preparation, my message, having several meetings with the lead team and all the things that I'm doing. And obviously that will allow me to open up just exponential hours of time where I can do what our lead team has decided that I should continue to do, creating content that's reaching thousands of people. And as you can imagine, it's difficult to do both well. And this is, I know, quite a little bit of a change. For some of you, you might not really feel the implications of it, but for the structure and leadership of our church, this will be a direction moving forward. Where no longer will you look to me as the lead guy, and I know it might take some time for that to change. I don't expect this to be a culture that changes overnight, but we'll be strategic about the ways that we continue to put our lead team pastors in front of you to really spread out not only the responsibility, but to spread out that authority. And I know that this is a big change, and I know that it might seem odd for a man to come before you and announce to you that I am reducing my own levels of authority. But through a series of events, God really began to put on my heart, not just so it was best for me, but best for the church. This was not the rest of the three of them coming to me and saying, Susie, you've been wrong all along, we should change some things. This was actually me coming to them and saying, guys, I think we can do it better. Will you lead? Will you lead with me? Will you lead alongside me so that we can make the church healthier? So that we can do more? I know it might seem bizarre that someone would reduce their own authority. And, and I want to let you know, I'm, I'm not doing this because something is currently going wrong. I'm doing it because I'm aware that something could go wrong. The structure and the system 
and the leadership of our church needs to have accountability and it needs to be safe because no pastor is perfect. Not me, not the next guy. And I'm doing this, friends, because I believe it's best for the church. I'm doing it because I love the church. I'm doing it because I don't want to be the ceiling that limits the church from continuing to grow because of the inward struggle that I've felt, and if we're being honest, that you've felt of my focus split between being the lead pastor of this church and being a partnered streamer on Twitch. I know that there have been moments where I've frustrated you, and for that I'm sorry. I know there have been moments where you've sent me messages and because I'm all over the place, trying to be a full-time streamer and a full-time lead pastor at the same time, and I did it better several years ago when I worked 100 hours a week, but as you can imagine, I, I can't do that forever. Nobody can. I was happy to do it, and if I could go back, I would do it again, but as long as I continue to do that, I will be the limit to this church. As long as I continue to sit in that position with my split focus, you can't be a 50% pastor and you cannot grow on Twitch by being a 50% streamer. I mean, I'd cancel my streams all the time. I was late because I had a meeting. I'd end early because this was happening because I was the one with the authority. So there were certain things that only I needed to take care of. It just can't be that way. And I know there are many of you that maybe some of you are feeling a sigh of relief that, wow, this is going to be so much better and all of us needing to rely on Pastor Susie. And for the moments where I've frustrated you because of our model, I'm deeply sorry. For the moments where it's taken me so long to respond to your messages because it was about a matter that required authority, I'm deeply sorry. For the people that have messaged me back in October because I told you to message me and we still haven't finished our conversations, I'm deeply sorry. The reason we're making this change is because I want things to be better for you. But I believe that as long as I stay lead pastor of this church, I will be the limit to how high we can go. I will be the limit to how far we can go. But I believe that if we'll shift our model as we are, God will begin to unlock unlimited potential in our church. That we'll be healthier than we've ever been. That we can accomplish more than we've ever been. And to God be the glory, not only can we reach more people than we've ever reached, but we'll be able to love and serve them better. I don't just want to reach a ton of new people, and then when they get in, we can't take care of them. We've been talking about capacity, and I believe that this will be one of the number one solutions to our capacity. And friends, I want to encourage you and thank you so much for all of you that are on board with us. Thank you to those that have been gracious with us as we've navigated through the difficulties of me leading this church, both as streamer and pastor, I know it's been difficult. Thank you for sticking with us, but I promise you, better days are ahead. I promise you, healthier days ahead, and I believe many people will experience salvation for the glory of God, that our church is gonna be healthier, better than ever, that the best is yet to come, and I wanna encourage you one last time. I know many of you might have questions, and you can feel free. Email us again, connect at godsquadchurch.com. We'll be in the Discord after church today. Maybe you want to talk with us and ask some questions. But now I want to take a second and I want to pray. As God really instills this in our hearts, that I promise you, if you'll trust us, this change will bring us into a better future. With not just one pastor, 
but multiple for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much that you love our church. And thank you so much, God, that you want to do what's best for it. Thank you, God, that you have allowed me to lead this church for the past five years. But ultimately, God, this is not my church. It's yours. And Jesus Christ is the King and Lord of this church. And God, we pray that, God, the name of Jesus would be lifted high above any one person. Always. The person, the church, and the world doesn't need another pastor. They need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And Father, I ask you today that as we transition, I know this is more than just making an announcement. It's going to be a culture change, and it's going to take time. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you would help our church to be unified, to be behind the vision, to what we believe will be best for this church. And Holy Spirit, I pray that, God, you would unlock unlimited potential for the glory of God, that we would reach more people than ever before, that we would be able to love, shepherd, care, and take care of more people than ever before. And God, we just, in advance, we give you praise. We give you praise for the blessings that you're going to bring to this church, for the people that are going to experience salvation. We give you praise in advance for the miracles and the great things that are coming. We pray that, God, that you would begin to pour out a virtual revival in the mighty name of Jesus because we believe, God, that the best is yet to come. And, God, ultimately, we choose today to, to trust you, to trust your leading, to trust what you're doing in the board and the pastors of this church. And we pray that, God, together we'd move forward as one unit, one unit together for the glory of God. And we ask you today, would you make God Squad Church a, a place, God, where literally hundreds of thousands and millions of people will experience salvation for the glory of God? We trust you today. We trust you today, God, in your direction. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And before we head out every week, we never want to leave without giving people an opportunity to experience relationship with God. We talked about trusting God in his direction. But maybe today you've never put your trust in God. Maybe you've been watching some of our streams, engaged in our discord, but you've never made a genuine decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're literally scrolling through the category right now. You're like, what even, what even is this? I want to tell you, I believe that God's brought you here for a reason. I believe every single person that comes to the doors of this church, online, in person, listening on Spotify, YouTube, whatever it might be, that God, God not only wanted you to come, but he knew you were coming. Because he, he loves you so much more than you could ever imagine. But here's what breaks God's heart so badly. That you and God have been separated by sin. Every single one of us, we may have never met, we have two things in common. We are both so unconditionally loved by God, but we have also both committed sin. I'm not any better than you. I have faults and failures in my life. But in order to fix your sin, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you so that your punishment that you and I deserve to pay because I've done wrong. Jesus paid it in my place. He paid it in your place so that you didn't have to, so that you could be forgiven. He rose from the grave three days later, ultimately showcasing that he is God, that there is none greater than him, that he overcame sin, hell, and the grave. And today, by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, 
you can be forgiven. You can begin a new life, a life of peace, a life of joy, having eternity in heaven, but stepping into your destiny. You were made for more than just to survive maybe 80, 90 years on this earth. You were born to worship, honor, and live your life to thrive in relationship with Jesus. He's what you're missing. He's the fulfillment of your soul. He is better than playing hours and hours and hours of video games. And I pray today that there are some of you watching right now that you're beginning to sense in your heart your need for a Savior. I need Him. You need Him. None of us are perfect. We can't gain our way to heaven. It's not about being a better person. It's about admitting that we're not and putting our trust in Jesus Christ. We had people doing it just yesterday on stream, and maybe there are some here today that for the first time ever, you're going to say yes to follow Jesus. Not because I'm coercing you, but because you genuinely know and understand and believe that, that you need Him. And I want to pray a prayer with some of you. And I want to encourage you to simply repeat these words after me as you have a conversation with God, as you're inviting Him to be your Lord and Savior and deciding to put your trust in Him. Would you pray this with me? God, I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and my Savior. Today, God, I'm turning from my sins and I am following Jesus. Help me to love you and to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, can we celebrate in the chat and in this room, celebrating those that are giving their lives to follow Jesus. Congratulations. Praise God. Hey, we want to be able to congratulate you guys. And, and for those of you that are accepting Jesus Christ for the first time, or maybe you just rededicated your life, put some hype in the chat. And hey, if you did do this for the first time, or maybe, like I said, you rededicated your life to the for, for, uh because you've fallen away from God for a little while. If you guys can do something bold right now, I have my phone on me. I'm going to be checking it periodically. But I want you guys to do something bold. If you just committed your life to Jesus Christ, I want you to put a yes in the chat right now. I want you to put a yes in the chat, and we want to see those people's lives who are being transformed today. We want to be able to congratulate you. And also, hey, if you could also do me one more favor and type exclamation point, uh, next level in the chat. That's going to send you to a form that we would ask you to fill out with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. This will give us a way to be able to connect with you. A lot of people, they don't know exactly how to go about on this journey with Jesus Christ. They just made a decision. They know that it's a big decision, but where do I go for, to from here? How do I read the Bible? How do I pray? What is baptism actually all about? And we would like to be able to answer those questions and be able to walk with you on this journey journey. And so congratulations to those of you that are just accepting Jesus Christ for the first time. And hey, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. We see people on a weekly basis giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Even just yesterday when, when we were playing some games together, two people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, which has been absolutely amazing. But it's because of you guys as well. It's not just because of the people that are here on stage. It's not because of just everything that we do up here but it's because of you guys as well. It's for your faithfulness and your generosity. It helps us to continue moving forward. It helps us to be able to continue to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to others all around the world. And we want to thank you for that. 
There are multiple safe and secure ways that you can give to God Squad Church. You can do so by going to panels below and clicking on the Give panel that will allow you to give through PayPal. You can also go to our website and customize it to any way that you feel, you feel fit for you. And then finally, you can use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84321. But once again, guys, we thank you for your generosity, for your giving, and remember, every penny counts.